Welcome to Three Questions With, a new podcast of the Latino News Network. LNN is dedicated to best serving Hispanics Latinos in New England with news and information websites in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire, a statewide community-focused initiative. Three Questions With is a public affairs program elevating the voices and visibility of matters most important to the Hispanic Latino community by speaking with community and industry thought leaders on topics like civic engagement, education, employment, healthcare, communication, and social responsibility, among others. I'm Hugo Valta, publisher of LNN and your host. Mainstream media, regardless of the platform, is challenged in not reflecting or being inclusive of, of the public it serves. As members and leaders in the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, NAHJ, I, as the twice-elected president of the largest journalism organization representing Latinos, and our guest today, Joe Rodriguez, co-chair of the NHA Sports Task Force, diversity, equity, and inclusion is familiar work to us. We're gonna talk about why representation matters in media from a community and business proposition. Many journalists of color grow disillusioned with the often good talk about diversity by the C-suite in commercial media and not enough walking the talk, turning words into action in order to correct systemic issues that treat Latinos and other disenfranchised communities unfairly in newsrooms and in news coverage. Many journalists have gone out on their own in creating platforms that authentically produce content relevant of the growing majority in this country, people of color. That's another area Joe and I share. He is the founder of El Tri Online, an English language news outlet covering Mexican soccer. And it's been a busy and exciting summer of football. World Cup qualifiers, Copa America, CONCACAF championships, the Olympics, and much more. Joe is going to share his experience in covering major events in the United States and around the world. Welcome to the program, Joe. Hey, Hugo. Thanks for having me, man. All right, Joe. Let's start at the beginning. You and I met while working at ESPN in Bristol, but your story, your passion for sports starts way before then. Tell us what inspired you to become a sports journalist. Oof, well, it uh, it really boils down from uh, an early age where my my dream was actually to be a professional athlete. Um, but obviously, um, you know, there was a bunch of different challenges um, and roadblocks as a teenager for me. Uh, the first one, you know, being an undocumented immigrant um, and lacking resources. Um, you know, that was one of like the first areas where like, you know, just not being able to like, you know, play club or, you know, get scholarships and things of that nature, basically just kind of like negated, um, you know, that, that type of dream, uh, you know, coming from a, uh, you know, humble family with, uh, you know, low means also married, made it, made it very difficult to, to be able to afford like any kind of coaching or training or, or, or things of that nature. Uh, but my passion for sports has always been there, uh, you know, for me, at least from from a very, very early age uh, in Guadalajara, Mexico. My grandfather would take us to the Chivas games whenever Chivas would play at Estadio Jalisco. Uh, and when I moved out here to the States, uh, I remember very early um, there was no Mexican soccer coverage like there is today. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I struggled with with that. 
That being said, uh, you know, when I realized, uh, you know, in my late teenage years that uh, being a professional athlete was out of the question, I figured, well, what is the other way that I can be close to uh, to sports? And, uh, you know, journalism was uh, was one of those ways. Um, I, 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 I wanted to explore several things. Among them was like writing. Um, I was an avid reader of the LA Times, the sports section of the LA Times growing up, La Opinion, what have you. Uh, and um, and their panel, their their columnist, and their um, the you know the sports page in general, the coverage from the people who covered the games and and the teams. Uh, it's something that I follow like on a regular basis. Uh, but then also you know just watching television. Um, you know, sports television, the games, obviously, uh, you know, created like a, a huge um, impact on me. Um, I remember that uh, I thought that I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer. Um, I wanted to announce basketball in, um, in Spanish or soccer in English. You know, that's kind of like what I wanted, uh, wanted to do. But then I thought I thought my voice wasn't probably the greatest. And I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't try to do that. Anyway, uh, fast forward to like, you know, when I started attending classes at Santa Ana College, we had the opportunity to actually do a lot of on-hand training. We were very fortunate uh, to have such a great program uh, right there in, in Southern California that was very accessible pretty much to any member of the community. Um, you know, and and the best part was that at the time they had a, English and a Spanish news show. <clears throat> it was one of the only uh, community colleges in the entire country to actually have a, a student-produced uh, bi-weekly English and Spanish news show. And obviously, uh, sports was one of the uh, segments that had to be uh, produced. So uh, I ended up becoming uh, the sports producer in my first semester. And then after that... Um, you know, eventually the the actual producer of the show. Uh, but it was there that I was able to, you know, pick up some real uh, hands-on experience because we were able to actually to to work at, um, you know, to cover the games, right? Like first for the colleges and eventually uh, through the, through, through the um, you know, the community colleges uh, news outlets, uh, we actually did get a chance to cover some professional sports teams, including events that were, held by the angels, the, the mighty ducks, uh, among others. So, I mean, that, that essentially cemented that, like my thought and idea that that's what I wanted to do for a living. And let, let's, let's stay that with that for a little bit. Uh, and thank you so much for, for sharing in detail. I think, you know, I grew up, um, in the suburbs of New York city, um, and I'm a big Yankees fan. I grew up watching, uh, Willie Randolph. I wanted, to be Willie Randolph and uh, like you, you know, unfortunately, um, not the means to pursue uh, proper orientation and training and perhaps also not enough talent, but <laughs> nonetheless, a passion for sports I can certainly relate to. I mentioned we are both members of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. You are co-chair of the NHJ Sports Task Force. Tell us about that work and the importance of diversity in media. Well, uh, so as co-chair, um, uh, you know, my role has, uh, is relatively new, uh, along with, uh, Ileana uh, Romero from the LA times, uh, you know, we've, uh, start, well, I started recently and 
to to pinpoint your question about the importance of diversity, uh, I think uh, it, it's um, man, I, I, it, I'm having a very difficult time finding the words to express how I feel because of its vast importance to me. Um, the fact that we need to have like these conversations alone is really what roused me up, right? Because we really should need to have conversations to create diversity. The diversity should be there organically. Unfortunately, that's not the, the world that we live in. Uh, but that's why uh, there needs to be organizations like NAHJ and there needs to be people like myself, like Ileana, to work to help increase that diversity in, in news organizations and media organizations, what have you. Um, it's super important because having different people around you give you a different, give you the, gives you a different context and different perspective. And I'll give you a quick example. Uh, also, just keep in mind too that diversity comes in many different ways, right? Most people think that when we speak about diversity, we talk about race and, you know, and what have you, but it's far more than that, you know, because obviously it's also not just religion, but it's also where you come from. And the, the example that I can give you about the importance of diversity is this. So at ESPN, I remember we had, and when I, when I say we, I, I mean like I and some of the other um, folks at, at ESPN had conversations and in many instances, arguments about like, how we covered the Yankees and, you know, the Red Sox and Tom Brady so much. But here I was, a, a guy that was raised in L.A., coming to the Northeast and trying to tell these folks that, hey, listen, not everybody only cares about those teams. You know, we love our Dodgers. We love our Raiders. We love our Lakers. You know, in the West Coast, Yes, there might be a couple of Yankees fans here or there, but the reality is that those teams that I just mentioned far, uh, you know, are, 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 are by far more favorite and more followed than all these teams that you guys like always tend to want to talk about. You know, so that diversity that I was bringing was giving them not just context of like, you know, whatever like my Hispanic, uh, you know, sports uh, of favoritism was about but or fandom was about but also like listen like you know you guys gotta like get out of this bubble that like the northeast rules and this is the only like these are the only sports and athletes that matter you know so like that was just an example but then also like in the other example uh is about my cultural background and the the importance of like having that diversity is to get a lot of these folks to understand that listen there's a lot of people out in the West Coast, Southwest, or like in many parts of the country, scatter, if you will, that are like me, that are bilingual, that are bicultural, that, uh, you know, are English dominant, that like Mexican soccer as an example. So if we don't give that to them, guess what? They're going to go elsewhere to look for that coverage or that content. So, you know, that's why diversity is important because you get a different understanding um, and different perspective about like how other things may be. And I also got different perspective and, and uh, you know, from them. So like, you know, we're both learning and teaching each other. So I think that that's the reason why diversity in media is so important because of the different backgrounds and law looks on, on, on things in general.
I agree. You know, I think to be constructively critical of, of our former employer and not unique to our former employer, often what happens is companies hire for diversity. As you said, it comes in many shapes and sizes. So not just the optics of diversity like ethnicity, race, um, gender, but also, you know, as you mentioned, where you grew up, where you went to school, interests. They hire for that diversity with the intent of this candidate coming in and changing the newsroom culture. But then once you get there, what they say is if you want to be successful, you have to assimilate. This is how we do things around here. This is our culture, which of course is counterproductive to the reason why that person was hired in the first place. And so many, so often companies don't have a recruiting problem. What they have is a retention problem because uh, as, it's, uh, as studies have shown, people of color uh, are resistant to assimilation. They want to acculturate, they want to, draw from what is best of their culture um, and also integrate what's best of the culture that they're, they're going into. Now, one of the initiatives launched during my second term as president of NHJ is Palabra, the first platform by any organization like the National Association of Hispanic Journalists to draw from the wealth of talent and experience of its members in producing stories by and about Latinos that went beyond the too often one-dimensional narratives of legacy media. It's the first time that an organization whose mission has been to fight for a seat at the table of big media to say to them, you know what, we're tired of waiting. We're not only going to build a seat, but the whole table for ourselves. You did that with El Tri Online. Tell us about the news outlet covering Mexican soccer. Well, uh, Hugo, the, uh, the way that El Tri Online begins um, really comes from my experiences at ESPN. Uh, so at ESPN, uh, and it's funny because I always have to say, to say this to a lot of the people that, um, you know, that meet me and ask me about my experiences at ESPN, um, is that I worked at the domestic side, you know, as you and I both know, right, they, they have an international and they have a domestic side. Uh, and the INET side, as they call it internally, um, is where ESPN Deportes is produced. And many people assume right away that because I'm Hispanic or Latino that I work for ES ESPN Deportes. Uh, but obviously that was not the case. Uh, and working uh, on the domestic side, uh, there we worked with um, a lot of, um, you know, non-Hispanic uh, folks. And uh, it was a constant challenge anytime that I try to pitch uh, soccer. And it, it seemed like it was like a, uh, a challenge, not so much with like, you know, the upper management. I mean, as you probably remember, our former boss, uh, John Skipper, was uh, a huge uh, soccer, you know, fan, I guess, you know, but uh, he definitely understood the importance uh, of, of, uh, of soccer. And obviously, you know, soccer is one of the most uh, popular sports among among Latinos. And um, and what I saw was that there was a constant battle and fight with more like the middle management and producers and like talent and anchors who just didn't really care about it. And because they didn't care about it, they just made it very difficult, uh, you know, for us to like showcase and and uh, and put like, you know, uh, Mexican soccer coverage. Uh, if it was not Messi or Ronaldo, it was like they could care, uh, you know, 
They could care less. That was just the reality. And because of that, that's how L3 Online is formed after uh, ESPN. I figure, look, if ESPN really doesn't care about creating Mexican soccer content or coverage in English, then why not do my own thing? And that's essentially what I ended up what ended up happening because I I saw that as an opportunity. I mean, I've always had gut feelings. I've read many articles on you know different data, demographics, what have you. But when I did my feasibility analysis on the company, it it just made a hundred percent sense. You know, the market's right there. The 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 folks are right there. Uh, you know, statistics show that. Uh, you know, a high percentage, and I'm talking about like in the 80s, uh, of children that are under like seven years old no longer speak any Spanish at home. So like those kids obviously are going to get older and they're probably going to end up speaking only English, right? But, you know, many of them are still going to like soccer. So, you know, like for them, watching the game is one thing, right? But when they want coverage, they want to read like a uh, news story about their favorite player, they probably aren't going to be able to read it in Spanish. So that's why it's our responsibility to be able to give that information to them. And, and essentially that's what ended up happening. Like you said, uh, it, it was something that I saw that whether, whether or not I, 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 I often tend to use or, or say that ESPN or the folks at ESPN didn't really care too much about it. Uh, but whether they did or didn't, the fact was that it was not being covered. Hence that's where the opportunity came about. And uh, that's how, L3 Online ultimately ended up uh, becoming what it is. Yeah. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think too often, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, that um, there is a stereotype in that Hispanic Latinos in the United States are all things, are a monolithic group. And and that that is uh, not, it is not true when it comes to uh, language. It is not true when it comes to um, culture and history. Uh, there are more than 20 countries in Latin America and in the world where Spanish is spoken. And if you look at South America alone, um, while yes, of course, there there is some um, consistency in, in their historic roots, beginning with Spain, there are many different things both that, that integrate the indigenous people that were there before the, the, the Europeans arrived, that makes uh, Peruvians unique from Argentines, unique, unique from Mexicans and so on and so forth. And then the other thing that I think that definitely resonates with me and certainly you know, with this program, Three Questions With, and of course the Latino News Network, is that of the, ma the majority of the more than 60 million Hispanics, Latinos in, in the United States are US born. And English is their first language. Now, absolutely, there's a, a large portion of Spanish-speaking people in that group. There are a lot of a large portion like ourselves that are fully bilingual. I think to to a certain extent, all of us are bi are are bicultural. But English is where this community is underserved. Uh, there was a study at the CUNY um, uh, Graduate School of Journalism in 2019 that found that there were more than 300 uh, news and information outlets focused on Hispanic Latinos, overwhelmingly, a majority of them are in Spanish. And, uh, and even when you look at the digital platform where we know this group, regardless of language, is going to 
to to to get their news and information entertainment even even in in that pool it's significantly small when it comes to English language. You're listening to Three Questions with Joe Rodriguez, founder of El Tri Online and co-chair of the NHJ Sports Task Force. Questions With is a public affairs program elevating the voices and visibility of matters most important to the Hispanic Latino community of New England. We are speaking with Joe Rodriguez, founder of El Tri Online and co-chair of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists Sports Task Force about the need for diversity and inclusion in media, the role of independent journalists of color, and now the summer of football. What an exciting few weeks of international play. Let's start with the biggest rivalry in football where we live. Team USA versus El Tri. Dos a cero for the Stars and Stripes in two championship finals against Mexico. It's been a pretty exciting summer to say the least. Uh, but if you're a fan of, uh, of uh, El Tri and, uh, and Mexican, um, the Mexican national team, it's been a very, uh, it's been a very tough summer because Though they play relatively decent uh, to the standards, right, and the demands of fans, because they're a tough crowd, by the way, um, they they lost two finals to the United States. Um, the first one was in the Nations League. Uh, that match, actually, we went out there to cover in Denver. Uh, got an opportunity to work with our old buddy uh, Max Bretos, um, and uh, and it was a, it was a great game. It was. Um, it, it was uh, very intense. Uh, that was one of the first times that we saw both teams play with their full squads. Uh, Mexico came out early, scored early in the game, but then the, the U.S. figured out a way, uh, you know, to to get on the on the board and uh, and ultimately it was a late penalty kick that sealed the deal for the United States. Uh, and uh, fast forward to the following um, month, or uh, or just um, actually this last month, July. Uh, in the Gold Cup, you know, it was pretty much like a, a repeat, except that the difference was that they were the teams were not playing with their top teams. You know, a lot of the stars of the U.S. did not make the the trip because uh, they were not um, allowed to come and play with the U.S. Um, you know, the their European clubs did not give them opportunity or loan them, and uh, a lot of the Mexican players uh, were also playing in the Olympics. So. Two, uh, two nothing, like you said, dos a cero for for the U.S. and and two championship finals, uh, and uh, you know the World Cup qualifiers are right around the corner, and uh, you know this is where like things get interesting, right? Because like now, the these championships and these titles are are really bragging rights, but you no longer get uh, an opportunity to like go to the Confederations Cup or anything else. Now, what really starts mattering, uh, like starts to matter, is the the, the World Cup qualifiers and um, and they start on September 2nd um, because of the pandemic. The qualifiers were actually supposed to, uh, you know, be spread like, you know, on a two year span. But now uh, it's a jam packed schedule and uh, it's going to be, um, you know, an 18 tournament, eight, 18 tournament. And um, 
and uh, they're going to do a round robin, right? So one game at home, one on the road. So a total of 14 matches, and it's going to be amazing uh, because uh, it, it seems like the best teams in the region are there. And a lot of people underestimate CONCACAF saying that it's such a you know weak uh, you know confederation, what have you. But the reality is that if you go down to San Salvador, if you go down to San Pedro Sula in uh, Honduras, uh, you know, Panama City, you know, what have you, those matches are always extremely tough. It doesn't matter who you're playing. The reality is that every single match is going to be tough. The U.S. did not make it to the World Cup because they could not beat Trinidad and Tobago on the road. So that just speaks volumes about like how competitive, like, you know, these matches are, are, are going to be. So it's um it's been an exciting summer if you're a US fan. Fantastic and 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 congratulations to them. Um, you know, the 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 Mexican national team ended up uh doing really, really good uh during the Olympics. They actually won the bronze medal. So kudos to them. But then the reality is that now they have other things to 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 focus, and that's uh the the qualifiers. And right here, you, I don't know if you hear that little whistle in the background. That's uh my <laughs> my nephew. He's uh, blowing his uh, his whistle. Maybe he wants to be a ref, um, <laughs> you know. But the good thing I gotta say is like the refs. Then um, you know, it, it, you really can't blame it on the ref. It was just like you know the the performance by the U.S. men's national team that ended up actually getting the better of the of the Mexican squad. And at the end of the day, like you know, like I said, kudos to them. But now we gotta focus on uh, the World Cup qualifiers. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Copa America was also very exciting. It was great to see Messi finally win a, a, a national championship with uh, with Argentina. And then, of course, uh, all the news of, of, of him exiting Barcelona. Um, it's just been a very, very busy summer for soccer and, uh, and th thus far this year. And there's still more to come, as you've mentioned, with the World Cup qualifiers coming back in the fall. Joe Rodriguez, founder of El Tri Online and co-chair of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists Sports Task Force, IMIPANA, como dicen nuestros amigos venezolanos, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Hugo. It was my pleasure, man. You've been listening to Three Questions With, a new podcast by the Latina News Network, produced in collaboration with Infinite Multimedia, the parent of El Tri Online, an English language news outlet covering Mexican soccer. LNN is dedicated to best serving Hispanic Latinos in New England with news and information websites in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire, a statewide community-focused initiative. I invite you to visit us at ctlatinonews.com, malatinonews.com, and nhlatinonews.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Latino News Network, where we post new content regularly. And remember, you can listen to a new podcast of Three Questions With twice a month. The next podcast drops on August 27th. We'll be joined by another pana of mine, William Mendoza, producer, director of the Latin Heartbeat Orchestra, who came out with a new album this summer called El Camino, a musical autobiography of sorts that will have you not only dancing, but thinking. I'm Hugo Walta, publisher of LNN, Thank you all for listening. Stay informed, stay healthy, stay safe.